Welcome to Relationship University. My name is Natalie Bloom, therapist and counselor specializing in young professionals. Each episode, you'll hear uncommon conversations with real people and take away psychological insights and tools to strengthen your relationship to dating, friendships, partners, and work. But most importantly, improving the relationship you have to yourself. Thanks so much for joining me and let's get it started. In today's episode, you will learn strategies and insights to be more likable and make friends as an adult. Whether you already feel pretty confident with your social skills, or if you struggle at times with connection and friend making, there is something for everyone on this episode. I know I learned a ton from our guest. And our guest is Lindy Gallette. Lindy got her PhD in social psychology from NYU. Her research there focused on how gender and race affect interactions among new acquaintances. And after grad school, she continued her career working as the CEO of a winery in California. And now she's currently writing a children's fantasy book and spends her free time playing volleyball and making as many new friends as possible. Now here is my interview with Lindy. Enjoy the show. I really hope you love listening and learning from the podcast. And the podcast is not meant to be actual therapy or a substitute for a relationship with a mental health provider. Today, we're going to be talking about likability. And Lindy is actually a new friend of mine. She's a coronavirus friend. When I was single, I was on Coffee Meets Bagel. And Coffee Meets Bagel sent out an email, I guess, to their members and said, hey, it's, you know, quarantine time. Who wants to come on a panel to discuss like what it's like to date during quarantine? So I signed up and there was probably about like, I don't know, 15 or 20 people. And I I saw Lindy there and Lindy was one of the participants. And I thought, she seems really cool. Uh, I want to be her friend. I immediately was like, I'm going to reach out to her and be her friend. I did not meet anybody, any men, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I I met you and that was such a gift. Oh, that's so sweet. And then before I even had the chance to do that, Lindy had already reached out to to also want to (laughs) connect. And I I was like, wow, like this is so, this is so amazing. And so- yeah, I'm really grateful that we're friends and I think my instincts were really correct that you're an awesome person in so many ways, which I'm going to definitely want to talk about more. So, well, thank you. And I felt the same way. I still remember like sitting in that call and just being like, I'm going to be friends with those two women. They have no choice. I just have to figure out how to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. And all three of us have stayed in touch since then. I think that there's a way that you particularly, Lindy, are able to find and attract and go after social opportunities in a way that other people sometimes don't realize is even possible, which is why I wanted to talk about the idea of making friends, creating possibilities, and also the idea of social likability. So I was wondering, how do you define likability? I mean, to me, likability is 
kind of that idea of like, does someone want to see you again? So it's kind of like if we're thinking like in a non-romantic sense, but like using, you know, the analogy of dating, it's like at the end of the first date, does someone want to go on a second date? And likability is all about how do we make it so someone wants to go on a second date with you, but like a friend date. So like way lower pressure. You're not their one person in the whole world, but (laughs) how, how, what makes it so that someone wants to see you again? Someone wants to deepen your relationship. Someone is like excited to see you and to invite you to things. And, you know, like ability, something that's so important about it that I think that our story really highlights. It's really reciprocal. You know, like it's not a one unidirectional thing. It's not just, do I like you? Do you like me? In order for me to be likable, I need to like you too. And when you have both of those things really fitting together and both people feel that and they feel that mutual non-romantic attraction, that is like what likability is. And being able to create that mutual non-romantic attraction is what makes you likable. We have to, at some level, like ourselves in order to be like, hey, I'm going to go after this person who, who seems cool to be their friend. So I wonder if it's almost like there's three things going on. I have to be interested in liking someone else or being intrigued by someone else. They have to be intrigued and interested in me. But to start out with that, I have to think that I have something to offer I have to be confident enough in myself that there's something that I have that maybe someone might like. So when I when I was thinking of reaching out to you, I knew there was a chance maybe maybe Lindy isn't interested in me. But I think I have something maybe she'll be into. And so I'm gonna go for it. There are three things. So there's kind of like, do I like you and like feel that like non-romantic attraction to you? Do you like me? Non-romantic attraction to me. And then also that, like, is someone willing to put themselves out there and, like, actually make the move to become friends? And that really connects to, like, that idea of, like, fear of failure. And, like, I think the thing that's unique about me, that it isn't that I'm, like, more fun and exciting than most people. It's that I just will put myself out there and I have no fear of rejection. (laughs) So I'm, like... I've built up my universe of friends to so many people and people almost never reject you. This is like the trick that then you realize people are almost never going to reject you when you stop being afraid of them rejecting you. So were you always this socially brave, Miss Lindy? Um, oh man, I think it's just, I've changed a lot in terms of being more social, more than like having to do with bravery or not being brave. I think most of my life, I was really happy with a small group of friends and that's all I needed and wanted. And now that's really changed where I want a lot of people around. And so I am always actively recruiting new friends. When you were younger, you were satisfied with a smaller group of people. And then when you got older, there was there was like a transition where you wanted to have more friends. And so you had to put yourself out there more. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's really accurate. Like when I was younger, I was just like satisfied with a few friends. And I would say even through probably my late 20s, like I would say it probably actually was my last breakup. Like the end of my last relationship was the moment where I was like, what is it that I'm actually missing from my life? Like what am I trying to fill with my romantic relationships? 
And then I realized what I like, what I needed was friendships even more than what I needed was a romantic relationship. So you, you realize that a lot of what you were looking for or maybe put um, onto or maybe projected onto a romantic relationship could be fulfilled with friendship? Yeah, pretty much. And I feel like I like would become too attached almost to my romantic partner because they were my everything. And it wasn't until I really ended that last relationship that then I was like, whoa, like there are other ways to fill these needs and fill these holes and like other ways to love and be loved. So you went out to go fill all the holes and yeah. Uh... Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> and... I moved to San Francisco, let's see, in June of twenty nineteen. So I was here for about nine months before COVID hit. And then what happened friendship wise from the time that you moved to San Francisco until now? Yeah. So I play volleyball. I have since I was nine. And volleyball and sports in general are have always been my shortcut for making friends. So I joined two indoor volleyball teams. I started playing beach volleyball. And since then, I would say for my indoor teams, and I've only played in three in the end, or four, three or four in the end, there are still six or seven people who I text from them, even through COVID. I even dated one of them. Um, I (laughs) play indoor volleyball or outdoor volleyball still. It's like my one COVID activity. And I play with a group of about 70 to 100 different people. And about, you know, 20 of them I play with every single week. I have the biggest friend network of my life. And I built most of that friend network during COVID. So you're the right person to talk about making friends and likability. I can imagine that anybody listening to this would be shocked to hear that. And I, I just know that so many people are struggling with loneliness and have a really big desire to meet some friends that they would really connect with well and want to build that. So maybe we can go back to that, the maybe original question of what can people do to be more likable? Yeah. So... You know, my background is very much in psychology, and all the research I did had to do with early acquaintances and how to get other people to like you, pretty much. (laughs) And I very much, you know, applied that research to my real life. The biggest one I do has to do with exactly what we were talking about at the very start of this, that idea of I like you, you like me. But we're all insecure and everyone's like, oh my God, is this person going to reject me? Do they actually like me? Like the Mm -hmm. biggest key to being likable and making friends is making sure that they know you like them. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more about that, Lindy. Yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the things I picked up from my childhood that has made making friends really easy is I smile all the time, like constantly at people. And I use really positive body language. And like you can even hear in my voice right now, like I'm a very bubbly, positive person. And when you're interacting with me, literally like I'm leaning into you, I'm smiling at you, I'm making eye contact, I'm doing all of these really positive visual cues that tell you, oh my God, this person likes me. They like me. They like me. And that just for you says, oh, it's safe to like this person back. You know, it's safe for me to want to ask them to hang out. It's safe for me to like get friendship feelings because I'm going to get that back from them. 
you know, I'm not playing hard to get. I am also not even doing neutral body language. Like neutral body language, if you show no cues, is actually the worst possible thing. Like don't do nothing. Don't do blank face. Like you have to show people how much you like them when you actually want to be friends with them. Tell me a little bit more about how you define positive body language. Um, I mean, it's just the things people do when they like someone, you know, (laughs) it's exactly what you're saying. It's like smiling, nodding your head, leaning forward, uh, reaching towards someone. Like I would be really cautious about actual physical touch, especially now. Um, but even in times when you can touch people, you know, people have different boundaries, but you can also watch when you are giving that positive body language, when you're reaching into someone's space, how they react. So like I pay a lot of attention to like if someone leans away from me or toward me when I'm giving them positive positive body language cues so that I'm not overdoing it for them. Like not everyone can handle someone like reaching over to touch their arm while you're talking to them, but a lot of people love it. And so it's me really pushing as far as I can into that actively, positively interacting with them with my body as I can without making them uncomfortable. Right. So what what happens when someone does the same thing versus when you pick up someone maybe is leaning back and is not as engaged? When someone leans back and isn't as engaged, I actually don't push it. So this kind of actually goes into really well, like a second thing that makes people like you. And it's just familiarity. So when someone, I actually had someone at volleyball, I always talk about, he like would never talk to me. (laughs) And he didn't talk to anyone that much, but it was like, It took me four months of regularly just having like a brief one minute conversation and him just having that familiarity of me existing, but without pushing his boundaries and just me existing over and over and over again in a way that didn't push his boundaries. Where finally a month ago, he like messaged me and was like, hey, do you want to come play volleyball? And I was like, yes, I did it. Because like sometimes like... Some people are just more reserved. They're going to take longer and they aren't going to feel comfortable right away. And that's okay. And like, you just have to keep interacting with them and keep existing, but in a way that respects their boundaries. And eventually almost everyone comes around just by virtue of repeated positive interaction. Could you tell me a little bit more about the psychology of familiarity and why that makes people like us? Yeah. Well, even just think about ads. So like one of my favorite ad campaigns is Rothy's. It's a women's shoe if you don't know it. And what they do that's so brilliant is they just repeatedly run Instagram ads that feature visuals of the shoe. And when you see something over and over and over again, it makes you like it. And the same thing works with humans. So there are even studies that show, like, let's say you're in a dorm. If you're in one of the rooms that, like, everyone has to walk by over and over and over again to get out of the dorm, people like you more just because they've seen your face more often. And then it, they're like, oh, I like this person. And that really does work. Just so long as you aren't having negative interactions, if you're having neutral or positive interactions over and over again, people just start liking you because they get used to you. And then you become predictable. You become something that they are used to seeing and are comfortable with. How does someone create something where they become familiar to others and therefore become more likable? Yeah, I mean, so first, find something you're actually interested in doing. 
So whether that is you can find a bar that has a weekly virtual trivia night, whether it is finding a group of people who also walk their dogs or finding outdoor sports like volleyball or bocce ball, something that's an organized thing that happens on a regular basis. So, and it doesn't matter whether it's in person or virtual, you know, you can pick your line on what is comfortable for you. You just want something that's going to happen regularly. And then you have to make yourself show up over and over and over again. Even if the first three times are awkward and like, you're not quite sure what to do, just showing up over and over and over again, you will find someone you like where you both become familiar to each other. And that is how friendships happen. So find something that you're into where you have the opportunity to show up and show up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But you want something that, you know, it's regular enough that it's going to have some regulars. So like you want something that happens about once a week so you can become friends with the other people who always show up. What if someone says, you know, I don't really have any interests that stand out to me, that it kind of feels fake to show up to something or volleyball sounds cool, but I'm not I've never played before, so that sounds really intimidating. What would you suggest to someone who who might be a little bit intimidated by the prospect of doing a meetup situation? Well, one, there was a time when I was horrible at volleyball. (laughs) (laughs) And to some extent, the not being good at it, I don't think is a good reason to not do something. Because, you know, worst thing that happens is you show up and people actually are mean. And then you never see those people again. That's okay. And I've showed up places and had people not like me. I've had times in my life, just like everyone else, where like I have gone somewhere and just been like, whoa, this is not right for me. These people don't like me. And I've just said, okay, I'm going to opt out of this situation in this space. But I will say that if you were coming in with the, oh, I don't have interest, these things don't excite me, that's the time to experiment. Try a bunch of different things and just like, and maybe journal for yourself. Like, Each thing you do, what is it you like about it? What is it you don't like about it? And like do that for three months of just trying random new things and then look back and be like, okay, what are the things I liked about the things I liked? What are the things I didn't like? And then find something that really fits that list for you. Don't be afraid to be picky. Like really and truly, the only thing I do is volleyball. I have no other hobbies and I'm okay with that. And like the fact that I don't love doing lots of different things is totally okay with me. And it's just about finding that one thing for you. You only need one. You know, I think that that's something that's very likable about you, Lindy, where the culture of the San Francisco Bay Area in California is one where a lot of people like to talk about their accomplishments and I work out and then I do this hobby and then my job is this. And it's almost like everyone's doing so much. It's a bit of a rat race. And I think one of the things that I noticed about you is that you're very relaxed and you will say something like, I just took a three hour nap. It feels great. Or I don't know what I'm doing for the rest of the day. Or can I come to this podcast uh, conversation in my PJs? There's a very down to earth feeling about you. And I think that that makes you very likable because it gives me permission to show up as myself, as my, you know, however I feel like showing up. Like I don't have to try so hard. 
before I came here, I had a, my day was a little bit all over the place. And my intention was to do something besides rush out of the shower and like throw on the first thing that I saw. But then when you texted me and you said, oh, can I come in my PJs? I said, okay, well, I can just show up. And so I wonder if that, is that something that you do intentionally? And if you (laughs) don't, then I think that we can learn a lot from that about your humanness and showing this side that's unpolished, that makes me feel like, oh, I can just be me and come as I am. So, okay, I'd say two things. One, I don't do it intentionally, but two, man, I'm really intentional about my human interactions. (laughs) So I actually was even just thinking, you know, earlier today, I have one friend where I feel this like very strong sense of comfort because when I'm around him, I don't ever think about how he's feeling when we're interacting and I'm never like gauging like how what I'm saying is affecting him and how things are going on his end because I know I can just be my authentic self and it doesn't matter as much as yes my authentic self is relaxed and goes with the flow I would say just like everyone I really struggle with being my authentic self in interactions and not like trying to tailor myself to what another person wants and what they need And, you know, it's not that I don't have that need to be accepted and liked and that it's not a huge part of me and who I am. What does it mean to be in your authentic self? (sighs) That's just such a hard one for me to explain because it's, you know, even when I'm thinking so much about how what I'm saying and what I'm doing affects other people, it's still, you know, an authentic part of myself. Um, But there is, you know, a next level where you're not thinking at all anymore. Where it's like, there's no part of me that's subconsciously paying attention to how did that person react to the thing I just said? Like, did I just say something or be someone who they don't want me to be? And I think kind of, to me, that's the end goal with friendship. Mm -hmm. It's to get to the place where for both of you, you make it to that point and you meet that point where you're no longer paying attention to, did I say something that like, came off the wrong way or made them feel like I didn't like them or made them feel like they don't like me. We all care about what other people think of us and want to be likable. And social when social anxiety occurs, that becomes hyper-focused of what do people think of me? How do they perceive me? How does my face look when I say this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do people think of my outfit or how I'm moving my hands? I think that our authentic self is on a spectrum. There can be times where uh, I even notice sometimes with my partner, who I've been going out with for about eight months, where I definitely feel like I can be myself with him, but I still, I still want to impress him. There's still a persona. Or there's still parts of me that's not fully comfortable in a new relationship, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm not being my authentic self. Actually, one of the ways that I was being social during COVID was doing work sessions with this college ex-college roommate um, <laughs> who is now my forever roommate. And we like do, you know, paperwork together once a week. Um, I feel like with her, I can really show up as I am. And something about her presence allows me to just be me. And there's, there is no 
persona. There's, there's it's just the authenticity. It's almost like being my an extension of just being with myself. And I think this brings up such a great idea of like the permission to like not have a single identity, like giving yourself permission to be different people with different people and also permission to sometimes be the same person. And I think that is so important in life to, and it goes back even to that idea of interests. Like, Oh, I don't have any interests. That's okay. Like you don't have to be part of that rat race. You don't have to be part of any of those things. Like being yourself is what's going to make you friends and what's going to make you deep relationships that are beyond that first moment. Yeah, we don't have to be one thing. We also don't have to have you know a thousand hobbies or any hobbies to be likable. Uh, I have a client of mine who is really, really set on trying to find a hobby that she's into. So she'd have something to talk about so she could make friends, so she could have something to say to her colleagues. And we're working on, okay, well, it's okay to discover what hobbies might be interesting to you. And I've seen this individual for over a year. We never run out of things to talk about. She's plenty interesting. And actually, she's worried, oh, well, I'm weird. Weird is great. The weirder, the better. So I think there's there's something, I'm wondering if you could speak to this idea of being weird, being different, kind of showing some deeper sides and maybe the that idea of um, vulnerability or showing a side that's a little bit under the surface as it relates to likability? Ooh, I mean, it's so important. I would say it's something that I struggle with personally, is that really getting vulnerable with people. But the way I get myself to do it, because I know it's something that's hard for me, is that I really stop and ask people real questions about themselves and what's going on in their life. So like I kind of... I rely on my own desire for reciprocity, where if someone else gets vulnerable with me, it makes it easy for me to then get vulnerable with them. So I know I struggle with being the first one to be vulnerable. But if I ask someone really great questions and really care and ask them about their life and ask them what's going on and then like stop and really talk about it, you naturally then shift over to being vulnerable yourself because when you're connecting with them, you'll say, hey, I had a similar experience. Like I also have a mom who's been sick most of my life. And then all of a sudden you're on this common vulnerable ground where you make this step in a relationship that you're bonded forever with this person. Like you've found somewhere to share together and be vulnerable together and I would say my longest lasting friendships have been the ones that started when we were both in vulnerable places together, where we got to be on that common vulnerable ground and share that moment and help each other through it. Right. So it's almost the opposite of what conventional wisdom says about friend making. So it's like, be put together be you know be positive um share your accomplishments it's it's the opposite of that it's we can get really close with someone quickly when we share something that's real that someone else can relate to when someone takes a chance and i think what i'm hearing is that there are many ways to do that that it's a little bit harder for you to start off just being vulnerable off the bat. But one way that you have practiced doing that is asking people good questions that allow someone else to start with a potential like deeper answer. And then that can maybe make you feel more comfortable. Yeah. Sharing more. 
Yeah. And you know, when you are someone who is comfortable getting vulnerable, do it. I love it when someone else like tells me, hey, like, I'm sorry, I'm off today and I'm being weird. This is what's going on in my life. And they just tell me. And then we can talk about it and have that moment. And man, the power of like the feeling of like that feeling that someone trusts you enough to tell you, oh, that's like, it just makes your heart connect with them. And it makes you open up and want to like, it's like that same power of a hug or a physical touch when someone just has that honesty and that willingness to share. What would be some other examples of vulnerable things that someone could share with someone that's a newer friend that kind of helps to deepen the connection? Yeah. I mean, my go-to is talking about dating. I think it's one of those things that like everyone loves talking, whether they're in a relationship or single, they love talking about people's dating life. Um, That has always been my go-to on like, hey, like, this is the thing that's going on um, that everyone can relate to. They feel like that sense of intimacy in a way that's, you know, pretty approachable and easy. Um, I think you can also talk about like anything going on at work. If it's like something that is something you can really share that has meaning to you and you actually care about and you're looking for a solution to it. I mean, I think that's actually the best way to do it. I still remember, you know, year and a half ago, right before I moved to San Francisco, I was at a party and this guy was having issues with a friend of someone I met that day. And we literally sat for an hour at the party and like hashed out the issues with his friend and came up with a solution on how to solve it. And you bond when you like bring something and ask someone for advice. Like if you get to be vulnerable and you're like, hey, I'm having this issue at work, but I want to solve it let's talk about how to solve it. Or I'm having this issue with a friend. Let's figure out how to solve it. I'm having this issue with dating. How can we solve it? That is the way to be vulnerable, I think, in a way that's very accessible and easy with a new acquaintance. Yeah. And I think what it does to the other person when you share something like a problem at work is that it empowers the other person to be a leader to that it also makes the other person feel really great like wow this person is entrusting me with something kind of private um it allows the person to step up and show up and that makes people feel a sense of purpose and so what i often hear um from people is i don't want to share that i don't want to be negative i don't want to you know burden someone i don't want to be a deborah or donny downer and for sure, if 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 someone is always um, focused on the negative and everything's always a problem and and complaining becomes like the only thing that happens, that's one thing. But most people are afraid to just give a little bit of some realness and bringing that bring those problems to have to empower someone else to help out can be a real bonding thing. And when I was single, I would even sometimes find something that I was looking to work on personal growth wise. And I would kind of use dates as let's brainstorm about something or it would even, even with new friends be like, Oh yeah, I'm, you know, I'm working right. You know, right now I'm working on uh, trying to figure out how to get myself motivated to do this creative project. And I've honestly been a little bit down on myself because I said, I do this writing and I haven't been able to be motivated 
what do you think? Like, what, what are some ideas that help you get creative and stay accountable? So I would share something like that. And it's almost like a, you get like a double win. Yeah. You get to, you get to share like what's actually happening. And you also maybe get some help with how to be, how to get your creative project rolling. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, it's not a negative conversation. It's a positive conversation because you're talking about the solution you know, you're t- telling the negative, the vulnerable part to get somewhere, not just to say it and vent. And that's what people love. They love that, like, let's take this negative and turn it into a positive. And I'm being real and telling you something that's really going on and intimate, but like not in a way that feels like I'm not going to be better tomorrow. Right. That's such a good point. So what someone might think is a negative, oh, I'm having a hard time getting rolling on this project and I feel down about it can become a positive when someone else can show up and say, oh, I've tried this. Have you, have you done this writing group? Um, how about we do some writing together or whatever it might be? It's like a way to collaborate and be creative. Yeah. So there's so much positive out of what someone might think is a like complaint. Yep, exactly. So what would be another trick of being likable that you found to be really helpful in your life? I'm a big compliment giver. I love (laughs) giving compliments. I look for moments to give them. I give them to everyone. I think people really overlook the power of compliments and how they make people feel when they're appropriate. Don't give inappropriate too much compliments. (laughs) 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 But compliments are like my go-to, like I feel like second time I meet someone kind of thing. So like the first time it's all that smiling body language. The second time is like having more intimate, vulnerable conversations and then starting to compliment them. And, you know, I always make sure the compliments are real and genuine. You know, I'm not going to be like, oh, I really like your shirt. If I don't like your shirt, I'm going to say like, whenever I notice I love something, if I love your shirt, I'm going to say, I love your shirt. In fact, by the way, I like your shirt. Um, and you won't, no one else will be able to see this, but it's like a very like nice rounded neckline, but it has like a white tank top underneath that like creates a very nice, like framing effect. <laughs> I think, well, I wore so, for you. I wore it for you, Lindy. I had you in mind when I reached into my closet as I was rushing to get into the, to <laughs> our conversation. <laughs> Well, I mean, what they can't see is that I'm huddled under a blanket to have no echo and that I'm wearing a faded blue shirt that has like print that's coming off of it. So, you know, I dressed so up. Cool. You're cool. You're cool even under a freaking blanket. So <laughs> whatever. Um, so, Lindy, what would be a formula for a good compliment? Oh, God. Okay. Something that's not too intimate. So like I try not to compliment things that like have too much meaning to someone. I like to go with things that are more like clothing. So clothing is something that someone actively chose that isn't about like their, I, I, like I'm, I don't like complimenting something like someone's smile or their eyes or even to some extent their hair unless they did their hair in a very active way. So I only comment compliment hair if it's like someone dyed their hair a specific color and they have an unusual haircut Mm -hmm. um i like to yeah i'm complimenting things that were choices rather than things that are just who they are 
And I think that that's a really safe place to be where everyone's comfortable with the compliment. And they also get excited because I'm not just complimenting, hey, like that shirt looks great on you. I'm also complimenting you as a person for choosing that shirt. And that's where I tend to go. I like to go that direction of, you know, a place where it's not too much. Like if I compliment someone's smile and I say, oh my God, you have a great smile. I'll be honest, like it makes me uncomfortable when someone does that to me unless we're in a romantic context. Like, or we're already then, 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 then comment on her smile all day long. But, <laughs> but then I'm like, is this guy hitting on me? Is this woman hitting on me? What's happening? And then like, I'm confused. It puts it into a place where it's just like, it's more unclear. If someone tells me, oh, I really like your shirt. And that's it. And they just leave it at that. I'm like, cool. They like my shirt. I killed it. That was easy. And like, we both leave the interaction really happy. It's like something that has not too much meaning that's brief and simple. Fantastic. What what would be another compliment that would be not like clothing related? Mm. Honestly, I 95% go with clothing. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I very rarely go for anything that's not clothing with people I don't know well. It's my go-to. Like I'll do like shoes, pants. It'll just be like whatever the thing is that is the thing I like, that's the one I compliment. So I think clothing is great and can pretty much cover the bases. What are yours? Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of think about, you know, whatever's happening in the environment. I I do love to compliment clothes and and kind of make it about that person. So I think as you had articulated it, like that color looks really awesome on you. Because it's it's kind of like something of like it's connected to you. It's not just like it's an awesome color. Um, It could be even something like um, a little flirtatious. It could be there can be kind of like a flirty aspect of making friends and being likable that is not romantic. So um, let's say that I'm at a cafe and um, someone orders the like chocolate chip caramel cookie. And I could say something like, that is some good taste in cookie, you know? So it's kind of oh, like... You're willing to push it more than I am. Yeah. Like you put yourself out there. So like, this is like a really great point right here. Your lack of fear of failure in compliment giving is just like what I was talking about at the start in like talking to people. Like you are putting yourself out there in such a great way where you're giving yourself even more opportunities. Thank you. That was a compliment. And speaking of that compliment... I think it's really rewarding to notice the things that I see in other people that I really admire in terms of the way that they express themselves, just like what you did with me. So, wow, like that's such a cool way of saying that thing. Or, oh, I really appreciate how open you are. Or thanks for telling me that. So I think that it could be something that's not physical at all. It can just be... um, something that the way that someone says something, it can be really anything. But I think what's really great about compliments is that compliments have nothing to do with your job, your apartment, your fashion, how how you look on the outside, how you quote unquote put yourself together, status, hobbies. It has nothing to do with that. All the compliment requires is to, to notice like, what do I actually think is cool in my environment and about someone else. And also let me take that chance to express myself. And immediately there's an opportunity that's potentially created, which is so powerful about compliments. And I think this even gets into 
even deeper than that, the idea that there is something to compliment in everyone. Like if you give people time and space and you work at it, you can find things you like about anyone. It doesn't mean you'll like them as a whole, like you don't need to like everyone. But there are things to like and to build relationships with over with anyone. That's such a great point. Life is more interesting, I think, when we see the different sides of people and we notice the specific things that are interesting about someone. So it could even be like, wow, I haven't heard that. That's a big word. I haven't used it in a long time. Or wow, you have a great vocabulary. What does that mean? Please educate me. So it could be another way to acknowledge, oh, this person must be well-read. They have this great vocabulary. Or maybe they just know, I I have like this one SAT word that I know that I whip out sometimes. And it's like, I kind of joke around that. Like, it's like the, literally the only SAT word that I remember. Um, What is it? The word is lackadaisical and I love it. (laughs) But yeah, anyhow, I, I notice when people use cool vocabulary. So that's kind of a fun thing to compliment on. Well, one of the things I love that you did too, when you were talking about that is your sense of curiosity. Like, It wasn't just that you were like, oh, I'm going to compliment them on coming up with like this really unusual word or how they say something. You're then like, please tell me what that word means. Like, I want to learn it. And that curiosity, man, that might be the thing that makes you most likable. Like someone who's like truly actively curious and excited about what you have to say to them. If you can find ways to be interested in what people are saying and ask questions to get to topics that you're excited to hear about. I can't imagine anything that makes someone more likable than like them showing true interest and curiosity in what you're saying. Absolutely. And we we all want people to be curious about us. I mean, that's that's like basic from the time we're a baby. We need we need our parents or caregiver to be curious enough about us to to try to figure out when we're hungry, when we when we need our diapers changed, right? So something that's so old in us that we love it. And it makes us feel loved when people are curious about us. And so there's, there's something kind of, you kind of triggered this memory I had when I was in college and my roommate, uh, Melanie, she taught me something that like a, like a social trick that I use until this day. So something that I'm self-conscious about is my lack of general knowledge. So I have certain things I'm really interested in. So I I love people and psychology and making connections with big ideas. I love exercise. And there's a few other things that I'm, I'm into, but when it comes to like trivia, um, remembering like certain historical figures, uh, sports, et cetera, like a a bunch of things, I kind of zone it out because it's just it just, it's not naturally interesting to me. And that's been a source of a little bit of self-consciousness throughout my life. And so I was talking to my college roommate about this. I mean, you know, we used to go out a lot and meet people and she said, you know what I, you know what I do when, when I don't know something, I used to feel really embarrassed about it. But what I, what I do now is I, if I don't know a word or maybe an event or there's something that I don't know, I say, oh, wow, I don't know that. Could you educate me on that? Or I'd love to learn more about it. Tell me about it. So it's almost like it turns like a self-conscious, like, oh, I don't know. I've never heard about that movie to saying, oh, 
I'm confident that I don't in the fact that, you know, I'm a person here with you. I don't know about it, but I still I'm open to learning. And that really, I mean, wow, what a smart oh, human. Yeah. Yeah. That she was completely right. What do you think about that? Oh, that's my favorite thing to do, to say, I don't know. And tell me more. I have learned in the last year how car engines work, how plane engines work, uh, <laughs> how different languages work. Uh, just by virtue of saying, I don't know, explain that to me. Like literally three days ago, I was talking with a friend and I misused a word. And then I was like, and they were like, I don't think that's how it works. I don't think that's what that word means. And we looked it up right then, what the word meant. And it was like, I was like, well, then I don't know what the word means. Let's look it up mm-hmm. right now. And that willingness to accept not knowing something and that willingness to say, I don't know, and give someone else an opportunity to teach you. Oh, it's just, it's a gold mine. What would you say to someone that feels self-conscious about not knowing something or not knowing if they're going to say the right thing or feels a little bit uncomfortable in themselves? Yeah, I would say I've been there. So I grew up somewhere really rural. I would say my like education, I felt really behind when I got to college. Like I didn't even know who George Bush, like the first president George Bush was. Like I literally didn't know recent presidents. And I remember walking around the halls at college and people just like having conversations where I didn't have the basic knowledge to even know what they were talking about, let alone join the conversation. And it felt awful and I didn't like it, but I eventually learned how to say, I don't know. And then I actually did this kind of slightly insane, obsessive thing (laughs) where every like year or two, I pick a new topic to feel like I can learn as much as I can about it so that I started to feel like I was catching up. But to be totally honest, it took me a solid decade to feel like I'd caught up with like other people in terms of basic knowledge that like just comes up in conversation. And now I've like overdone it. Now I know really esoteric, unnecessary things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I mean, I spent 10 years of my life feeling like I didn't know as much as the people around me. And it made me really self-conscious. And I'd say, one, it's possible to catch up. And two, you know, looking back on it, nobody cared but me. Like I was the only one who cared. My friends didn't care. Like people I was interacting with didn't care. And it was just inside of me that I cared. What a cool story. Is there a last point that you'd like to close up on? Well, I just want to recap kind of what are the things to do. So one, we think a lot about like reciprocity, the fact that people like you if they think you like them. So like have really positive body language, smile, and make sure that you run into people over and over again. You want that familiarity. The more they see you, the more they'll like you. And don't be afraid to get vulnerable. Like get vulnerable with people, share intimate things, and try to do it in a way that promotes a solution-oriented conversation so that even if you're bringing up something negative and sad, it can make that other person feel empowered and feel like you're ending up somewhere positive. And then our last thing was really just about asking questions and listening actively and being curious and how exciting it is to be around someone who's curious, who's willing to say, I don't know. Wow, that's perfect. I couldn't I couldn't have summarized that better. 
Thank you so much, Lindy. This was so insightful. I really appreciate how you show up in the world. And I think you have so much to offer and and teach other people just by the way that you practice being a human. So it's really, really inspiring and can't wait to hang out soon. Thanks so much for listening. What I loved about my conversation with Lindy is that becoming more likable is actually more simple and straightforward than I thought once she broke it down. And there are actually things that a lot of us are doing without realizing it that make us more or less likable. And since our conversation, I've actually been trying to practice some of these skills more intentionally. Like I met someone new um, last weekend and I was keeping in mind some of these things like positive body language. Am I smiling? Am I letting them know that I'm into them so far? Um, I wasn't feeling super open. I think I was a little tired. It was like Sunday morning early at at the beach. So I wasn't feeling as much like opening up, but I was asking some deeper questions and that actually allowed her to open up. Um, And I was being really, really curious about her because she actually is a super fascinating person. She's a social worker working in prisons. So she has a lot to say about lots of interesting things. So I was keeping those things in mind and um, hopefully we will become new friends. But some of these things are a lot more simple than I had even thought about. So Lindy was so on target and I hope that you're able to take away even just one thing that you can go out there and practice and see how it works um, to try some new skills. And please follow me on Instagram at Relationship Podcast. Um, I have some cute things on there um, with some quotes and other fun things items. And if you found this to be insightful and enjoyed the show, please do leave me a five-star review and rating on Apple Podcasts. If you don't know how to do this, feel free to leave me a direct message on Instagram. I would be happy to walk you through it. I'm not very techie myself. Um, And also, it would be awesome to meet you. And most of all, make sure to share this with someone that you think can benefit from hearing some of these insights um, and tips on social skills. I'd like to give some credit to my amazing boyfriend and unofficial producer, though he is pretty official. Um, He's really, really helped me to believe in myself in a way that I haven't before. And that's allowed me to start this show. And again, this is Natalie Bloom. Thanks so much for your openness to new ways of understanding yourself and others. And through awareness comes connection. you had a great time listening. Again, just a friendly reminder that the podcast is for informational purposes only. Relationship University is not intended to be a substitute for psychological, psychiatric, or medical advice, or diagnosis and treatment, or actual psychotherapy with a therapist or psychologist. If you're desiring or needing mental health support, please seek the advice of your medical provider or other qualified mental health professionals. If you think this may be a mental health emergency, please call your doctor or 911 immediately or go to your local emergency room. Life can be challenging sometimes and everyone goes through tough things. And I hope you're seeking professional support from your own personal therapist if that's something that you think would be beneficial to your life. I appreciate your time to listen to this and take care.